Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, real quick, before we get into the show, wanted to let you know that we're giving away a custom surfboard on September 1st. This is a Blackbird Surfboards out of San Diego, Southern California. Tim Crozier is the shaper, and you've probably heard Scott and I discussing, uh, talking about his name recently. The Hawkeye Hybrid is the model of board that we will be giving away. He will custom shape it to your specs. I'm going to flood social media with imagery for the next two weeks of the Hawkeye Hybrid, so you will see it there. And in fact, I'll actually be publishing an episode of Surf Splendor with Tim tomorrow. Scott posted an episode of The Boardroom Show with Tim last week, so lots of Tim to go around. Um, We do these surfboard giveaways as a thank you to our loyal listeners, supporters of the podcast. Their bedrock of support makes this work possible. Their feedback your feedback actually often uh, guides the themes and even the guest lists of our shows so we're glad to be able to do these surfboard giveaways and also to shine a light on the board builders whose boards we are in fact writing and we are i've been writing the hawkeye for the past month solid and scott has a brand new one that he uh is ready to surf but he's been injured so this is a short board it's a rounded pin twin fin and a really rad modern design that's an evolution kind of beyond some of the trends that we've been seeing in recent years. I'll go into it with Scott uh, just in a few minutes on today's show and then real deep with Tim Crozier on Surf Splendor tomorrow. So anyways, thank you and good luck. If you want to get in on this giveaway, it is not too late to set up your support um, as long as you get it in before September 1st. It's only $5 a month, and you'll get an ad-free version of all of our various shows on the network if you want it, and then, uh, of course, entry into these giveaways. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is where you set it up. Just navigate over to support the show. It takes less than a minute. All right. Thank you very much. Enjoy today's show. What's up? Hey. <clears throat> How you doing? Good. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey. Um athleticgreens.com slash surf scott bass is a life-changing nutritional habit a daily all-in-one superfood powder and a nutritional essential it is by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you can add to your daily routine today and empower towards better habits no logistical planning just one thing that is the best of all things scott Heck yeah. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. You're going to want to uh, get your athletic greens and get healthy. Why wouldn't you? Athleticgreens.com slash surf. As we 
see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, guy. Guys, I'm listening to the spit right now, and I like the reference that Scott made that the WSL commented that David Lee Scales doesn't like them much. And David says, oh, no, no, that's not the case. But then two minutes later, Scott mentions that the contest is on, and David says, oh, it's on right now? So clearly, you don't even have notifications from the WSL for your phone, so you know when a contest is on. But hey, this is a podcast about surf, right? So you would think that you would have that notification. You'd think you would know when the contest was running. But hey, I know you're a busy guy. I just think it was kind of funny. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Yeah, guy. <clears throat> Welcome, everybody. It is Spit, the Spit Podcast. It's a Tuesday afternoon. It's David. It's Scott. We're sitting here. We're busy, but we pulled ourselves away from the craziness to do the Spit Podcast. You know why? Because we love the listeners. Exactly. I love my wife. She's a listener. It's afternoon show. Do you think we'll be extra spicy or or more, uh, (laughs) more more, more lethargic? (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know. I got to come clean to the listeners. I'm not very prepared. I've been so friggin' swamped today. Actually, the you whole can, last two you weeks. Can, you can follow my lead. We've got uh, Tahiti talks being canceled. We've got the top five for finals day at WSL. We have the end of the Mexico event that took place since last time we spoke. I've got listener emails, lots to discuss. All right. Well, thanks for carrying the load here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow along. Well, why, why are you so busy, Scott? Why don't you? Tell I'm us? busy because of one, the boardroom show, which is crazy, right? So we're doing a live stream so the global audience can watch it. Like if you're in Australia or Europe or wherever, Japan, Hawaii, you can watch the live stream of the show, and that's added a whole other layer of uh, production that I'm dealing with, and. Um, just all the other stuff, you know, we're a little bit more than five weeks out. And so this is when I just put my head down and grind out on all the crazy stuff like insurance and decorating and equipment and all sorts of just nonstop stuff coming at me. So it's all good. I'm glad I've got a great job. I'm just swamped busy. And then of course there's a California gold surf auction, which is also taking place, which is insane. Like, are we going to have to do a show on some of the boards here soon? And then, um, we should do a show dedicated, like actually going and looking at the boards and discussing the history and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, we have a, we have a board that's one of Mickey Dora's personal boards. We have one of Mickey Dora's personal riders from the eighties. And it's, it's just a sick board because it just, it carries so much of the myth and, and the legend and the person that is Mickey Dora. We got a bunch of cool personal, right? We got so many incredible boards in this auction. It's amazing. So I'm excited wanna, about that. 
I don't want to add to your workload, no, um, but Go this ahead. would be an incredible video series. Just it, they don't need to be like real thorough, but like a five minute go talk to the person that owns that board currently, get the backstory, get the history. You can provide the context of why it's important in the surf world. Those would be incredible pieces. Well, it's funny that you say that. <laughs> I actually, did you see them? So anyway, I just did the first one of those. I do those at every auction. I usually do sneak peek of like say five or six boards to get the, the juices flowing. And so I did the first one today, which was David Nueva's personal Bing lightweight from 1967 with the birth certificate from Bing Copeland himself. And uh, it's an incredible board. David's personal writer from the best-selling surfboard of that era, which was the Bing Nueva lightweight nose writer. Boards come with birth certificates? The Bings do. Bing Copeland did a really great job of keeping records. So he's one of the only guys I know that has a complete thorough. And even he has a few holes. There's a few holes, I think, in the 70s when when uh, Mike Eaton was making some Bing Bonzers down in San Diego. There might have been a little bit of a, a little bit of stuff that fell through the cracks. But all the for the most part, he's got every single board. That's genius. Yeah. Um, speaking of helpers for the boardroom show and surfboards, I talked to your good buddy, Tim Crozier this week. Oh, good. We did, did like a, a two hour, two hour deep dive, really got into the Hawkeye hybrid board design. Yeah. The board that I rode this morning. Have you been riding yours? No, because I'm still injured. Oh, you are. Okay. But tell me about it. How did it go? The Hawkeye. I love it. I yeah. love that board. And yeah. yeah, it's funny. Um, it took me about three sessions to get to really unlock it and figure it out. Yeah. And I, and I never really tried to assess why I just, once I figured it out, I just enjoyed it. But when he was communicating some of the design details, it was like an epiphany. And this is what working with a shaper will do for you. Right. Yeah. And what it is, is the front of the board has a lot of volume, flatter rocker, more rounded. Then it goes parallel in the outline. And it actually, the, the tail gets really thin and foiled. There's a bump in, there's um, double concave on the bottom. So you lose volume in the thickness and it's more foiled. So the idea is you could paddle into waves and you have all that kind of uh, volume up front that allows you to get into waves, but also to get drive when you're headed down the line. And then the less volume in the back allows you to do a bunch of turns and maneuver the board really easily. But my hiccup was shifting from the front kind of weight, your foot, your weight being on your front foot to the back foot. I wasn't making that adjustment, uh, I think quick enough or significantly enough. So I'd drop into a wave, like use the front of the board to kind of paddle, get to my feet and even drive off the bottom. And then once you go into a top turn, you really need to transition your weight onto the back of the board or even slide your front foot back slightly and just start surfing more off the back of the board once you're up and going. And on a short board, that adjustment is very subtle. And on maybe a mid-length or something else, you're never on the front of the board. So you never really need to make that adjustment. But this goes from so much volume to so little volume that it's a little bit more significant of an actual weight shift that you need to make. And I did figure it out on my own, you know, after three sessions and have loved the board ever since. But just hearing him talk about the design, I was like, that's what I was doing. That's what I was working through in my head, you know, or on my feet rather. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad you've unlocked it. I'm looking forward to riding mine 
and I'm just looking forward to going surfing, frankly. I'm, no kidding. Yeah, it's been kind of problematic. What's your outlook? The outlook is good. Um, my foot, it feels okay unless I try to surf. <laughs> like, it feels fine now, but when I go to, and put, like, angular pressure on my big toe, it flares up, kind of. So, 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 like, how long do you think you've got until you can do it again? I think I could go surfing right now. Like, if the okay. waves were good, I could probably go try, you know. I'm, okay. But I'm a little hesitant to, I don't know. It's weird. I've got almost, like, you know, stage fright, I guess. I'm afraid to go John. out and re-hurt the, re-hurt the toe, you know. You and John John. This is like us waiting for John John to enter the Olympics. Is he going to do it or not? Right. Don't re-injure it. You might not right. be able to go to Tahiti. Everyone's everyone's waiting with bated breath. <laughs> um, so did you watch the Mexico event? I did. I I loved it. I really had a good time. And I, I got to admit, it was it was a good event. I thought it was a great event. Um, go ahead. Take it away. What do you got there? So uh, it's nice to have good surf. And it wasn't even great Barra. But it's really, you know, compared to what a lot of the waves that we've seen on tour this year, it's uh, one of the better stops on tour this season for sure. And I thought it was a phenomenal event. I thought, so I'm sure everybody knows by now and it's not spoiling, but Jack Robinson and Stephanie Gilmore were the winners. Malia Manuel and David Silva were the two other finalists on the women's side and the men's side. I loved seeing Jack Robinson actually make some heats Mateus Hurdy is somebody that I was talking about from Stab High. I mean, he absolutely delivered, over-delivered on my expectations. The kid is so well-rounded and also no fear when it comes to drawing big names in a heat and then getting a set wave and needing a score and needing to perform. He would then throw a huge, you know, air reverse on the outside section, come out of that, go into the turns, go into the barrel, like, He's an amazing competitor. Yeah, I would argue that he was striking fear in those guys rather than the other way around because he Completely. didn't have anything to lose and he was attacking the outside section uh, with high-performance airs and high-performance maneuvers out there, which were, if you were a veteran, you're like, oh, shit, I've, I guess I have to step up my game. Like, it's now or never. Often, I mean, we do see a lot of very talented young surfers enter Ethan Ewing, for example, in two years ago, that have a hard time translating that talent to competitive savvy. He did not miss a beat. Yeah, I don't know how many CTs he's been in. He's been in a few though, and um, he seemed like a he seemed like a veteran that he kind of had a little like Dane Reynolds in him, like a veteran that didn't care, like a veteran yeah. that wasn't worried about requalifying. He was just going, you know, and just getting crazy. But then, as you mentioned, super polished, competitively savvy. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if there's 16 CT surfers, make sure Mateus Hurdy's one of them at this point. Totally. And that's similar to kind of what we saw from Morgan Siblick at the beginning of the season. You know what yeah. I mean? Like everything you just said, no fear of requalification or drawing big names, just showing up and blowing, blowing up, doing what he it's was so interesting, to do. right? How do you get – those young guys to keep that sort of mindset rather than three or four events in they're like, Oh my God, I'm actually established here and everyone's talking about me. And now I'm kind of like the shit and I need to, and I've got to maintain my status in the top 10. And so 
and we see this sort of drift to um, sort of a generic sort of CT style surfing. Um, I don't know if that's generic is the right word, but you know what I mean? They're a little bit more cautious. How do yeah. we, how do we stop that from happening? How do we incentivize the performance to, you know, to, to maintain that performance that we saw in the first few, maybe even first event that they surf in, you know, what do we do from a format standpoint to make sure that they keep that going? I have no clue. <laughs> I, I really feel I really feel like it's up to them. Just it's a mind it's a headspace thing more than a format thing. I have an idea. Maybe there's dollars and cents involved here, right? So maybe it's um I, I don't know how I don't know exactly how we would do this, but if you score a nine in your heat, you get five thousand bonus dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. let's incentivize nines or above. That's interesting. You know, not eights. You know, and incentivize them so that they're willing to go lose a heat to try to do it. Right. Now we'll give you ten thousand dollars if you get a nine. You know, and That's maybe what we do is we re we don't reveal the dollar amount. We like put it in an envelope, kind of like <laughs> kind of yeah, like yeah. a game show, and then we go. There is a dollar amount if you get over a nine, and we'll guarantee you the minimum dollar amount's ten grand, but it could be fifty grand. We're going to see once we open up the envelope after this heat. You know, and we get this game show envelope thing going to incentivize high performance. I like it. I like it. Here's what we do, though. There's a dollar amount per heat. And if nobody scores the nine, you just add to the envelope. Roll over. Roll over. Rolling it over like a pick six in horse racing. Eventually, you need like a eight by 10 manila envelope to stuff all the cash in. Yes. I like it. I think it's, I think it's a thing. And I think it's, you know, I could see... I could see somebody like Red Bull or somebody with some deep pockets stepping up for the for the bonus cash. Um, so one thing that we saw, one kind of interesting thing that we saw in this event was the um, a lot of the main title threats losing early. Gabriel Medina lost in the quarterfinals, which is early for him. Idolo lost in the quarterfinals. Uh, Felipe Toledo, I think he lost in a round of 32. It was really early in the event. Um, whereas the guys who actually thrived were David Silva is the guy who took out Gabriel Medina. Obviously, Jack Robinson made a huge climb up the ratings to re-qualify in this event by winning it. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the top guys went down kind of early. I'm trying to remember who took out. Who did Mateus must have taken out some of these guys, like maybe Felipe? So Rio Wida of all people That's took, right. out, took out That's, Felipe. Yeah. And he surfed great too. He's another surfed guy. That, so good. That was like, you're like, okay, let's keep that mojo on tour, but let's not have them, you know, let's incentivize them somehow so we can keep that thing going. Yeah. I mean, I think he'll earn his way. He'll earn his way on, you know, through the yeah. current methods. But yeah, Mateus took out Idolo in the quarterfinals, which was a shocker. Rio is like Kanoa you know, 2.0, not quite Kanoa, totally. but, but, you know, almost like Kanoa level as far as every, you know, everything that was going on style. So good style. the tough thing for Kanoa is he was really on the brink of that fifth place spot and he lost early in this event and got bumped down to seventh. Jordy was in the, is now in the sixth spot. Griffin Colapinto actually, I think is in the sixth spot. Maybe they tied for points. So those guys were all so close. And those guys are all contenders at lowers. Jordy's won lowers. Griffin lives at lowers. Kanoa's surfed lowers his entire life. 
you know, he's won junior events out okay, there. Okay, let's take those three guys, right? And let me ask you this. 20, the year 2021 for Kanoe Igarashi, he had the Olympics, he had the WCT, he had the top five to either make or not make. How do you, if you're Kanoe, if you're in Kanoa's camp, are you disappointed in your season or are you just okay? I think he's happy with the season, but this would have been his easiest shot at a world title that he's ever going to have it in his career. And so you're disappointed in that. I don't know if you're, you should have, I look at it like I'd be absolutely ecstatic with my season. If I'm Kanoa, if I have a gold medal, I know he got yeah. a silver, but he, this is his home break. It's his home nation. He needs a gold medal. He needs to make the top five. Anything less than that is a fail and a really? disappointment in my opinion. I mean, what are you there for? This is your year. You're in Japan for the Olympics. You need to win gold medal. You got all the advertising, all the visa ads, and Kanoa's yeah. everywhere in Tokyo. It's just like, it's like a Kanoa overload. Yeah. And you didn't make the top five on the CT. Yeah. You didn't make it at lowers where you could go out and win your world title. I think it's a big fail. Now, let's take Jordy. If you're Jordy or you're in Jordy's camp, what does 2021 look like to you? Is this a fail? Is this just like, okay? I mean, my this opinion on this. This is Go a fail ahead. for Jordy. Yeah, it's a fail for Jordy, but he yeah. could he could blame I, injury. Well, that's my like I agree. Yeah, so that's I, I look at it like, look, it was a hideous season for a big ocker like Jordy to do well. It's not like they were having events at J Bay, uh, G Land, uh, uh, Tahiti, you know, places where Jordy could do well. Right? It was all in these crappy little waves. He was injured, and um, you know. They had a friggin' event. Anytime they have a CT stop at the surf ranch, it's not good for Jordy. So yeah. I, I see this. If I'm Jordy's camp, I'm like, you know what? Let's just forget this never happened. This wasn't like we lost to Jay Bay to lose the world title or anything. Like everything was kind of against him. So I don't, if I'm in Jordy's camp, I'm like, all right, 2021, whatever, move on. And let's focus on 2022. And, 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 you, and you go at it with a little bit more of an optimistic vibe. And then the other one is Griffin, right? So you mentioned Griffin. What's your take if you're in Griffin's camp? Is 2021, where do you stand on that? Um, I'm trying to do it through your prism now of what you just said, because I agree with your rationale on both of those. I think it's probably a loss for Griffin, but something you could build on. Yeah, it's probably like middle of the road. It's probably like neither, okay, whatever, or huge disappointment like the other two guys. It's kind of more like, uh, yeah, let's, let's take these, the, you know, the, the downside of the season and let's use it and let's like kind of excavate it and comb through it and find out what we can learn from this. I think if you look at individual results for Griffin, there were a couple of disappointments. Um, the second event of the season, he got 17th, you know, I, where would Never that been? have been? Yeah, oh, that, that would have been. First, that was the first oh, Australian right. event. Actually, I'm. I was thinking, uh, I was looking at the wrong column. It was actually pipeline. He got 17th. Um, and then he got 17th again at Rotnest. So yeah, I don't know. There's a couple of results that he could have kind of improved upon, but um, overall a consistent year with a bunch of thirds. I've got a listener feedback about Gabriel Medina. Remember last year we had a listener call kind of calling out Gabe and saying he's thriving this year, in particular, because it's a lot of venues that suit him. But if the waves, if it was uh, the dream tour, 
where there was waves of consequence that he might not be up to snuff with the more preternaturally talented John Johns and, and uh, Kelly's of the world. I got listener feedback about that. He says, dear spit in regard to your conversation about Medina in comparison to Slater, Florence Robinson and waves of consequence. Medina at this point is better than all of those combined injuries included. Look at his points this year. I find your observations to be biased and you guys were doing so well by giving him the credit that he deserves lately, though it only took an email from a listener for you guys to <laughs> slide into passive aggressive remarks about Gabriel's lack of natural talent. Not liking Medina is okay, but to argue that he is not gifted as a surfer is simply ridiculous. He is clearly gifted and dedicated, not to mention that he has not sustained any significant injuries that I can ever recall. How is that not part of the conversation regarding, quote, natural ability or genetics? After you read this listener's email against Medina, it was painful to hear you guys talk about lack of natural ability. I've been listening to the show for seven years. I find it's okay uh, that you guys riff and you think out loud in conversation. And in fact, that's what I love about the show. Uh, but when criticizing or discussing Gabriel, just look at the stats, his proven results. Don't take away from him in the twisted way by implying that he's not genetically blessed as the three surfers with English last names. <laughs> Gabriel Medina is the first Brazilian to ever win a world title. And at such a young age, how could genetics and natural ability not be a factor? Saying Gabriel isn't good in waves of consequence is simply wrong. Just say that he's not your favorite and that you don't like him personally because that's what it is. Surfers are the worst. Thank you for I, your time. I, Sincerely, I, Frankie. First of all, Frankie, I've always, anyone that, and Frankie included, that listens to this podcast knows that I'm not a fan of Gabe Medina. And it has nothing to do with his surfing ability. It has everything to do with the Olympics, with rallying behind your nation state's flag. And certainly the Brazilians do a better job than anyone at rallying around their flag. And I'm going to rally around uh, the American flag and the Australians are going to rally around the Australian flag and the Kiwis and so forth and so on. So now that being said, there's some Brazilians that I'm more um, sort of attuned to. Um, and of course, Idolo is the one that pops out because Idolo seems to have a sense of humility around him or um, maybe humility is not the right word, but he he just is more likable for whatever reason. He comes off charismatic, like charismatic and a serenity. I mean, uh, excuse me, a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, um, I'm not sure. It's not serenity, obviously <laughs> not Idolo. No, it's, um, he's just, he's just, I don't know. But my point is, is that we like Idolo, right? So it's not just the Brazilian like I, I'm okay with some. That's of them. true. But Gabe's That's true. It's a, not anti-Brazilian. Gabe's kind sentiment. of a dick. He kind of comes off as a dick. I'll just say it. That's my maybe I'm wrong. You know, and I'm I'm sure he would say the same about me. Many people have, but so that's uh, and he's right. We did kind of sit, use the phrase genetics and natural ability, but that was in context of John John, and the other English <laughs> English last name <laughs> that we brought up, Robinson there, and Slater. There is no doubt that it just seems like those other guys have sort of that Tom Curran Slater thing where they can just like will themselves to a set wave or whatever. And I don't know. It's we're yeah. nitpicking. Look, Gabe Medina, well, fully. Gabe fully. Medina is and the best in the world. I'm not, I'm not going to 
sit here and say he's not. And as we've also mentioned, I'm, he's sort of growing on me. Like he's so competitively dominant that it's hard not to like it. It's like I said, it's like, yeah, I don't want Nadal to win when I watch tennis, but I definitely want Nadal in the final against Djokovic. You know, mm -hmm. I want the two best and that's the way I feel about Gabe. I want him there so that when Jack cleans his clock, it makes it all the better for Jack. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything that Frankie said is fully valid and I yes. actually agree with him completely, I I but too. I still, but I still don't love him as a surfer. And you're talking about the Tom Curran vibe. I think where you and I feel the same is that there's an artistry to surfing and then there's a different part of it that's athleticism and Gabriel represents the athlete. And it feels like the fact that we don't see anything from him in the off season or in between events, posting free surf clips or anything like that. He just shows up for the event and smokes everybody makes us view him as an athlete. Whereas we get to know some of these other characters um, and their personalities in the off season as well, which endears us to them. And we, you and I, for whatever reason, probably because of the era we grew up in, we just love the artistry of it, you know? And we love getting to know the character. And I'll tell you that, and Frankie might argue this too, is that in some regard, Gabe has almost taken that ability to be the, um, the ultimate athlete to a place of artistic quality. Like that's where I'm starting to actually like True. Gabe is that he's so competitively in tune and so athletically prime that it's almost now art, Yeah, you know? much the way that real sports like tennis and golf, when they're like super top level guys like Tiger or, or Djokovic or whoever, you're just like, wow, that's friggin' an art. And he's so competitive and athletic that it's artistic. And because he's done that, he's elevated everyone else's game to come up and to rise to his level. Yeah. But look, you know, I'm going to root against Gabe, but Frankie's right. He's, there's no doubt that, I mean, I, I bet he's right. If we, we dug through the stats, like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe it's a reach, but if you did a five-year stat grind and somebody out there could do it, I mean, I bet over five years, Gabe's number one. Oh, yeah, for I sure. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe not. I don't know. Probably well, pretty tight, but well, John in, John's in, had some injuries. This year, he's literally 12,000 points ahead of Idolo in the number two spot. So I mentioned that the top five is locked in. Um, that Speaking is of that, you mentioned last week that your new format where it's like, hey, if you could actually beat the guy, uh, you know, like in the normal format with your with the points total, um, you're welcome to surf in the final event of the year. Isn't it true that right now, if we were to do it your way, we wouldn't even have a final event of the year because Idolo's in second with 31,000. If you get 10,000, for a win, that would only get him to 41,000 games at 43. Yeah. At this point, we wouldn't even have an event at lowers. We would be crowning Gabriel according to your um, yep. format. That's and entirely that, true. That's kind of cool because it, it rewards a guy who absolutely dominated the entire season on tour. And why should he have to surf against a bunch of ne'er-do-wells that aren't even close to him relative Un to points? Underlings. Underlings. Um, so... By the way, the reason why we have a top five right now is because Tahiti got canceled. 
<laughs> so sorry, I should have warned you. Sorry. I thought I could just reach and grab my drink, but that's all right. I saw it yeah. happening. Um, the reason why we have a top five picked already is because in the time since we last recorded, Tahiti got canceled. So it was kind of an interesting turn of events. Um, Did that shock you when you saw that? Because I was thinking of you. I'm like, God, David called this. Yeah, it didn't fully shock me. But what hasn't been discussed Bummed yet, out. Well, what hasn't been discussed yet in any of surf media that I've seen is they, the reason why the WSL called off the event is because Tahiti was considering closing the borders on Sunday, which would have prevented any travel into the country. As far as I could tell, they actually didn't close the borders. So on Friday, it might've been Thursday, actually, the WSL made the preemptive decision of this is um, imminent and very likely going to happen. And we have a bunch of planning and logistics that we need to kind of enact immediately. And so knowing that they're probably gonna close the borders, we're gonna go ahead and just pull the plug on our event now and save a bunch of headaches. Well, as far as I could tell, Tahiti hasn't actually closed the borders. And so in theory, the WSL could have actually run their event, right? Well, I agree with you. Yeah. And how about this? Why not take the final day to Tahiti now? Why not exactly. take the top five totally. to Tahiti? Totally. Let's just do that. Let's just follow the little purple blob. Wait for the next. I mean, as everyone knows, it's been rigged. It's been going Richter off the you know charts. How about Morgan Siblix's chances at <laughs> Felipe. 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 So I we'll get in. That could be a situation where Connor Coffin could win the title. But actually, totally. it's going to be that would be Gabe's and Elo's all day long. So we'll get into the Friday the 13th swell at Tahiti as well. But let's go ahead and do the top five. Um, the top five qualifiers on the men's side are the aforementioned Gabriel Medina, Idolo's in second, Felipe's in third, Connor Coffin is in fourth, which I think nobody would have predicted at the beginning of the season, nor would they have predicted number five, which is Morgan Siblick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, but the, the bottom two are surprising, but I mean, when, you know, earlier in this year, you and I were going, who's our top five when we first started thinking this through and we, we knew who the top three were and we were kind of, you and I were kind of tussling between who Kanoe or Kolohe or Jordy or Griffin, you know, like who's going to fill out the last two spots. And certainly these two, you know, they took advantage of the opportunity and here they are. Uh, Morgan's obviously the huge surprise. No one saw him coming. And Connor's a surprise because I think Connor surfed above his weight class. Like, you know, if you, look I mean? at the, if you look at the surfing for the year, uh, Morgan is less of a surprise, even though we didn't know who Morgan was prior to this season, just thinking about the highlights for the year, you go, okay, yeah, Morgan deserves to be there. Your Connor seems like the biggest surprise of them all, despite him being a known entity at this point and him having a real defined strength, which is uh, power surfing. It's, it's surprising to see him there. Do you think he has a chance at a world title? No, absolutely not. There's no way. Connor Coffin's going to do anything at lowers. You need a, an incredible air game to win at lowers against this crew. He's the only one that doesn't have it. I mean, I don't know how many frontside hacks, you know, drop wallets we're going to be able to handle, but that's kind of all he's got. I mean, when you look well, at Connor, I mean, it was even surprising. He, he surfed out of his mind. Like there was one spot, maybe it was Newcastle where he was 
banging these killer lefts. He was doing these big hacks backside, but he made the final. Yeah, it's I, you know, he's like Peter Town in 1976 world champion. They're like, really? He never even won an event. <laughs> he got se- he got second in a bunch of events, so he won the title. He just kind of came out of nowhere, and they handed him the trophy. So, so if you run the math, if Connor didn't make that final, he wouldn't be in the top five. And when he made that final, he never got more than a 15 point heat total in that event. And I'm doing this from memory now, so I might get it wrong, but I'm almost certain that I made this exact point in that event was he had a couple of lucky heat draws and there was a bunch of other people who had kind of been consistently scoring higher in the event than him and then got a tough draw and ended up losing. So Connor found himself in the final without ever really getting excellent scores but he has a, that crazy back backhand snap and he would do it twice on a wave and he would get, you know, a high six and a mid mid seven, and that would get him through most heats. So are those backside smashes and his front side hacks enough to deem him the best surfer in the world? Probably not. Um, but I still love that he surfed above his weight class and that he's earned his way into it. You know, like he's an underdog story that I, I do appreciate the underdog story. I do too, but there's a lot more. There's a there's quite a few more underdogs behind the top five that I think can win, like Yago Dora. I could see Yago Dora winning at lowers. Um, you know, as I look through here, of course, Kanoa, Griffin. Uh, my point is, is that there's just no chance for Connor Coffin to win. And and we all love Connor's power surfing and blah, 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 but there's just no way. Now, Morgan, Morgan could actually he do could. some damage out here. Yeah. Um, it, he's going to have to surf like he doesn't give a shit. He cannot go into it like three to, you know, what his mindset has to be balls to the wall. I either lose this first heat horribly or I absolutely smash the first heat and everybody's freaked out. And then they have to kind of surf to a higher level and that will relax him. That's going to be an interesting situation. Interestingly, I don't see Gabe as being the biggest threat at lowers this year. I think Felipe is actually somebody who could win it. And Idolo, if I did just go Gabe versus Idolo, if there was like a full day surf off between those guys, I would probably put my money on Idolo. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a coin toss. They're both even money, really, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I, I think Gabe might have a little bit more competitive savvy. He might might think through the heat a little more. Where Elo's just kind of like Tasmanian Devil, catch thirty five waves and hope two of them are nine point nines. You know, which they probably I mean, will be. Totally. If yeah. he gets thirty waves, two of them will be. Um, I'm almost rooting for Connor, a because he's the underdog, and b because it proves no. the failure no. of this of this finals day scenario. Okay, you know? that's you're rooting for your resentment. Now you're rooting for your resentment. <laughs> well, because it's a flawed it's a flawed it's a flawed root. concept. That's why you would root for Connor. And that would mean he would be a flawed champion and and you can't root for a flawed champion and I mean you can't tell me what to do. I could root for whatever I'm telling I want. you right now no. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on him. But I'm rude. And by the way, I, I, I love Connor Coffin. Like, I'm not here to poop on oh, Connor Coffin. I'm just telling you, I mean, I, I'm just telling you what everyone already sees. 
I'm just I, I'm just not going to hide from it. I think part of the reason why I want to root for him is because everybody's calling a spade a spade. You know, like Stab wrote an article, they called him out on it. And Did Connor they really? And, oh my gosh, yeah. And then Connor screenshot of the article, posted it on Instagram and was like, first of all, you guys, for premium surf journalism, you should probably spell my name right. No way and they spelled his name they spelled, <laughs> Who did that? Mikey C. Morella? I forget. I think it might have been Brendan Buckley, uh, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, <laughs> what? How did they then, spell his name wrong? His name is C-O-N-N-E-R, and they spelled it O-R. <laughs> but the point is, because everybody's given him a hard time, like the reality is he earned his way there. Whether the point, whether the system is flawed or the format's messed up or whatever, like he earned it in the same way that everybody else had to earn it. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I'm not I think saying he need, doesn't belong there. I'm just saying he's not going to win. I think we need to attribute some of his success to his coach, um, Glenn Micro Hall. All of his success. What do you mean some of it? <laughs> just not kidding. all. Not all. Not all. <laughs> no, he, no, he, no, I'm just kidding. I would agree with you though. There, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I, I mean, think how you do you argue those, that that good finish at Narrabeen with him the, banging those lefts? Because you know he's probably like, oh, I see a little right, I see some rights. Michael Hall's like, no, dude, you're gonna bang two backside smashes on these uh, left-handers. Look at look at Glenn's track record. Forget about Gabriel Medina's track record. Look at Glenn. Starts working with Matt Wilco and goes from thirtieth place every year to a number one, like winning the first two or three events of the season, number one ranked for a period of time. Uh, to a country Tyler, music star. To a country music star. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if that on. was Glenn's. Don't leave that out. <laughs> Is that um, Micro Hall's doing? I hope not. Um, Tyler Wright, same thing. You know, she once she linked up with him, I think that's when she put her titles away too. Yeah. So he's got a lot of successes under his belt and Connor is just the next in a long line. So congrats. How much does Micro Hall get paid? 10% of the contest winnings. Excuse me. All as, right. far as, I, as far as I remember hearing. Um, on the women's side, the top five are Carissa, Tatiana, Sally, Steph, and Joanne DeFay. Any thoughts on those? Um, let me pull up the rankings here for the women. It's in, in that exact order. Carissa Moore with a lead, but not as, long, not as strong as um, Gabriel's. But I really don't see anybody beating her at lowers. I would like to think that this is Sally's year. Like she's finished second five times in her life. This could be her year to win it in one day. And lower yeah. suits her well. She's got air game. Um, does she but have I just air don't. Game? Yeah, she a does. Bit. A little bit. But I just don't see anybody beating Carissa. Sally's just not as polished. Not as powerful, not as polished. Yeah. And if she has air game, Carissa's got even more, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm disappointed that Carolyn Marks is in there somehow. What happened? No clue. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, from what I've seen of the women, I could see Steph and Carissa going at it. Tatiana's kind of hot or cold, isn't she? Like. She's on her day. She, you know, she has incredible heats, and then bad she stuff is, happens. Yeah. She she falls, and I don't she know. She is hot or cold. I wouldn't. I look. I would be. I'd be stoked if Chris Moore won the world title five years in a row. I mean, yeah. she's insane. She deserves well, it. Well, 
Well, I think this will be her fifth if she wins it, and Steph's looking at her eighth, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so finals day goes down in September, so we've got a few weeks before that happens so we can revisit the topic. But the biggest news of the week is the Friday the 13th swell in Tahiti. WSL cancels an event, and then Tahiti goes huge. Was this maxed out, Scott? Have you ever seen Chopu bigger? Well, I mean, look, Chopu can only get so big. Like, you know so what I mean? was like it the, maxed? Yeah, I think it was pretty maxed. You know? I think it I was. I think that code black or that code red or that code black swell was a little more hyped, you know? But, and I'm no expert. You know, but I mean, all you got to do is look at the footage and I didn't rewatch the code red footage. This looked bigger to me just by memory. Well, the code red stuff is the video, the documentary of it's pretty cool because they got guys waking up at dawn and like the lagoons just swamping full, you know, and they can hear it and they just know. And it's got that early morning, you know, the way the tropics is that early morning morning sickness and everyone needs the, the gray clouds need to clear and the offshore winds need to kick in and we need to smooth things out. And people are kind of slowly meandering and skis are getting, like, it was, it was a great documentary, you know, and um, I'm not sure. I think this built through the day, whereas the code red thing, they woke up to like a dark ominous force, you know <laughs> I mean? So when you look at the waves, the best waves of the day, this is, as big as I can ever remember seeing it and bigger yeah. even. Yeah. I mean, and when it gets maxing, it, it is what it is. It's whatever size you want to call it. Like I said, I think it only gets so big. Like I don't think it gets past 25 feet. Like it just doesn't, that's just, I don't know. I don't think it gets any bigger than that. Or whatever. Yeah. Si let's say it's 30 feet, 25, whatever the number is. It's all, maxing is like, it has a ceiling. Like it, it can't go yeah. to 60 feet, you know? Well, We've been watching, um, it's funny actually, Lauren's been watching the 100 foot wave documentary on uh, HBO. Yeah. They sent me the first four episodes before it aired. And so I watched it so that I could interview Garrett. And then once it was actually on TV for those four weeks, I was not paying any attention. And then I walk in the room one day and Lauren's on episode two, you know, like midway through it, fully engaged in it. And it made me kind of assess she wasn't doing it. She's never expressed an interest in surfing until now. So she wasn't doing it because of me. She's doing it because she watches HBO and it fed it to her and it engaged her. And it made me think about, um, she's never watched momentum generation. She doesn't watch. She's probably not going to watch the ultimate surfer, but there's, <laughs> Wait there's something you can't, you can't put the ultimate surfer in the same category as Garrett or the momentum generation. The reason That's why like I am saying, you know, she never watched Archie Bunker. She never watched. Thank you. Exactly. Well, that's my point though, is that these are things that are geared for mainstream, right? The surf world pumps out occasionally tries to cater to an outside audience and all that. This is the one thing that's stuck that actually appeals to me and her. Like she's fully engaged and I find myself now what I'm about White in. Lotus? She watching White Lotus? Dude, we loved it so much. Did you oh my it? god, I've got two more episodes to go. The At first I was like, amazing. "This is lame," and now no. I'm like, "Wow, that's just trippy." And it's so it's so current, like it's so well written as far as 
the characters. There's some freaky shit in that. That's, each that is each little character dynamic is more interesting than the previous. And every single scene, they just ratchet the tension up. You know, and know. you're just like, you can't, you're on the edge of your seat. And by the end of the episode, you're just like, Tense. Exhausted. Like, where does this go? And, but every episode does that. It just gets more and more tense. And by the way, the the finale is a home run. Like, they don't don't tell me. They don't skirt anything. They don't dodge it and like give you an easy resolution. Like, yeah. they go for the guts, and Correct. you see some stuff. Yeah, I'm it's, probably going to watch the last two episodes tonight. I think. Enjoy it. Savor yeah. it. But hundred foot wave is. Um, so what I was going to say, though, not only is it a success in terms of engaging non-surfing audience, but what I was going to say is she's watching that and that's her understanding of what big waves are. Then on Instagram this past week, she starts getting fed the Chopu footage and she's like, did you see this? And so then I start explaining like, yeah, and by the way, that is so much gnarlier than the hundred foot wave stuff that we've been watching, you know, and she's like, well, is it bigger? And I'm like, it's not bigger in terms of like the trough of the wave to the top, but 50% of the measurement is lip. <laughs> you know, like if that's a 25 foot wave, 12 and a half feet of it are lip and 12 and a half feet are the open space. And it's 25 feet wide. Like there's so much more pounds per square inch. Yeah, that will I was hit just you gonna, in the that head. was, that was the phrase pounds per square inch was the one I was just chewing on right there. If you got hit in the head by the lip at Chopu, the pounds per square inch versus getting hit in the lip, hit in the head by the lip at Nazare, there's no comparison. The Chopu lip is 100 times more powerful. If you die at Nazare, it's because you drowned. If you die at Chopu, it's because you got scalped. <laughs> like, or, like or it literally trauma, exploded, the impact. explodes your brain. Yeah. You know? And people have died from that out there, sadly. It's crazy. Um, it's a spectacle. And could you imagine? if the WSL got that swell. Man, it'd, it'd be like that cloud break swell. There'd be a bunch of guys you're like, wait, I thought these are the world's best surfers. What's the deal? They would have to wait, of course, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not paddleable, paddleable at that size. You just can't paddle it, so. Do you see Nathan Florence's uh, drop that I posted on Instagram when it was paddleable, I think earlier in the day? I don't know if I saw that. I might have. Dude, elevator drop to where, remember that wave that Kelly got against Bruce Irons, where he drops, where he airdrops and then falls back into the yeah. tube? It was kind of like that, but a little less extreme. Like airdrop and then landed on his heels and actually leaning like forward too. And his board just like kind of scooped under him. So it like caught his lean forward and that projection and he like stuck it and that projection pushed him through. And it's like, man, that's when all of your training comes in. Like all your yeah. CrossFit and agility and also flexibility, like it kicks in in that moment. Yeah, amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, the that's surfers cool. out on that day, by the way, Matahi Drole, uh, Cowley Vost, Nathan Florence, Ramsey Bukayam made a trip from Morocco. Cool. Um, yeah, so pretty amazing feat accomplishment justine dupont was out there which she features prominently in 100 foot wave as well i like to kind of look at it too from like who wasn't out there you know like there's there's sort of like mainstay guys like is anthony walsh out there i didn't see him like like and so i look at it like and by the way this is i'm not holding anything against him 
because everyone comes to this moment in their life. But at some point you're like, I'm done. Like, I'm not doing that. Like I, I'm too old for that or whatever the reason is. And it, and it happens across the board, you know, like, and when, so when it's conditioned red, you know, or conditioned black or whatever, you know, those guys that are out there are 20 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not 35. There's an yeah. age where you just go, you know what? I did it. I had my fun. I'm going to pass and let the next generation take it. And so I think of Anthony Walsh. I think of guys like Dylan Longbottom. Um, and I think Dylan was, I think Dylan was, pad, uh, was towing guys in. Uh, I, I think, think he Shane... towed Nathan Florence in actually. Oh, did he? Shane Dorian. Shane Dorian talked about that during the Jaws comps as well, where he was an invite and just decided, you know what? I'm not up for it right now. Yeah. You've got to be in the right frame of mind. I mean, that's life or death. Yeah. Which again, they do a deep dive into a lot of the psychology on hundred foot wave. As soon as you say it's life or death, and as soon as you acknowledge it's life or death, it's probably time not to do it. Cause I think the 20 year olds that are doing it, they're not thinking life or death. They're going, I'm going to get the sickest barrel of my life. And that's kind of the difference. It's a good point. Um, so stab high wrapped up last week. Did you follow that? I didn't. I really wanted to. I'm on it right now. Do you know who the winners were? No. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, go ahead. Aaron Brooks, of course, won the women's. She was, nobody even held a chance because her two wave scores were so big. Uh, so she absolutely earned that. She got a perfect score, a perfect 50. And then I think her other score was, was like a 48 on the right. Uh, Matt Miola won uh, the men's side. And the way that they did this was, it was kind of a top five scenario where you had to qualify for the final day. And then on the final day, uh, they sent the top five, they had all day to compete. They could go anywhere they wanted within driving range, you know, with the filmer and try to bag, they had to bag a right and a left. Those, you got two scores, one right, one left, which was the same format throughout the rest of the trip to qualify for the finals day. So there were some guys who actually didn't even complete a right or a left air and, you know, finished fourth or fifth or whatever. And some people got like a super sick left, but not a sick right. Matt Miola went out there and nailed his two best waves of the entire week or the entire trip on finals day. So, and he already had like a six, you know, sick waves from previous to finals day, but he went out and did like a full rote on a, on a left. So front side for him, there was a full closeout, just like get up, like overhead closeout, just get up one pump into the closeout section and sail out into the flats and he lands in the flats buttery. And then his backside was some sort of, uh, I don't think it was a rodeo, but it was like an actual upside down inverted spin flip that he lands cleanly and took the win. Ian Crane had his, the move that we've seen from him over and over again, the backside spin with that crazy grab. He did another one of those and landed it clean. But um, Miola's variation is absolutely unmatched. And also his improvisation i feel like he's improving in the air he'll hit a crazy section and wherever the wind takes him or wherever this kind of trajectory takes him he improvises and then he lands it so i think he's untouchable cool i'm, I'm kind of watching some of it right now um i'll have to i'll have to really get into it and watch it all but it looks amazing it makes you want to go to costa rica are they yeah costa rica or nicaragua yeah, costa yeah um oh here goes miola on a wave they implemented something that you pitched 
to them specifically, which was viewer voting. Yeah. So to for the final event, um, they had prepackaged it, but they did like a live stream with Dylan Graves hosting a little broadcast. And then they would cut to the clips and you as the viewer had a little voting thing underneath and you could rate each wave and whoever rated it the closest to Nathan Fletcher's own ratings won a three pack of Channel Island surfboards. So I thought that was a super cool way to integrate the community. Yeah, that is great. I'm stoked they did that and um, good for them. And I was actually watching this other thing on Stab. Did you see this longest ride thing that they're doing? I guess SURF. I don't really know who that is, but it looks like it's basically it's like they got some beer company in Byron to kind of like buy into their concept. And so they're, it's a little bit of an advertorial, I think. Is that the vibe that you got? Did you watch this? The longest? We're doing a series watched, of things. I watched the preview episode um, that under, that explained the whole format, which again, I feel like is something that you pitched, yeah. which was you're watching the, elect, you and I were watching the electric acid surfboard test and you say, hey, it's great, but what if they had this? Or what if they could have done this? It's like they took all of your ideas and put them together into this concept. And it's four very capable surfers, but names that you don't see that often. Um, and one of the formats for the contest or episode one is length of ride. It doesn't matter what equipment, you pick whatever equipment you think is best and try to get the longest ride possible. And then another format that they do, I think they have to like hand shape something or- No, they, they take a- they take a secondhand board. They get a hundred bucks right. and they have to find, buy a secondhand board. Here's a hundred bucks. Go find a board that you can ride and then we'll judge your wave on that board. And then there's one where they have to cut down a board like yeah. they used to do back in this transition, like out of the longboard era where a lot of guys couldn't find small blanks. So they'd take a longboard, strip the lamination off, reshape it, relaminate it into a shorter board. That's part of the concept for one of the episodes as well. So it's interesting. I'm interested to watch it. Yeah, I am too. And I don't think I get any credit for this. I think this is just fun stuff that they came up with. And, you know, maybe you and I, through our conversations, have helped spark some of this stuff. But um, a lot of it's know. in the ether. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is like I, I don't think I deserve any sort of. But but I'm stoked that they're doing that. They're thinking outside of the box like this. And I was actually just watching it, sitting here watching it. And I was like really entertained by it all. Like, I, you know, like. I, look, I'm only going to be entertained once. I, I don't want a whole, you know, tour of longest rides. Right no, now. yeah. But I think there's a lot of fun stuff that they that you could do. And I think if you were a really creative content guy, you could take this and go a bunch of different places with it. Yeah. Basically, you would need to do what they did and go to a, a major, like a beer company or something and go, hey, here's what I'm planning on doing. I'm going to run it on stab or on Surfline or where on the inertia or wherever my, here's my distribution point. Will you, will you back me? And if they say, yeah, then you've, then you get to have so much fun. You get to have these things like we're going to have, you know, switch foot one day or whatever, you know, you just come up with a bunch of fun things that are good for one time only. I think they're doing a foam episode too, like a soft okay. top episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think stabs strength. And by the way, they are, they deserve a lot of kudos this year. They're going from strength to strength to strength. Every week there's something new. But I think that their real um, unlock was 
streamlining video production, yeah. investing, investing in a couple of editors and creative kind of directors, art direction and filmers to document this stuff. Because for you and I, it's um, in addition to, it's like, oh, we've got to, you've got to do the boardroom show. You got to do the California cold surf auction. So let me also film something and then I'll get around to editing it later or try to find somebody to edit. They've learned to prioritize that editing and that's put them in a real power position to pull off events like this. What they need to do, one of the things they could do or anybody could do is, is a shaper sort of surf comp of some sort. Because there's so many really red hot shapers that would be psyched on some sort of fun competition around, like, let's see who the hottest shaper is. I mean, obviously, it's probably Birch, but the hottest surfer shaper, like the best surfer, Daniel Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Shape your own board and surf, you know? Yeah. Back in the day, there was, I mean, Mark Richards was the world champion on his boards. So it's that kind of vibe, right? Like yeah, Simon yeah. Anderson, mate. So obviously I think of Birch right away. And Shyama sure Buttonshaw. Yeah, sh- yeah, he's been injured, but I hope he's doing okay. He, no, he's surfing again. He surfed that 50 year swell event two days ago. Bells has been pumping every, like lately I've been see- watching it on Surfline. It's been pumping like crazy. So I don't but know anyway. who organized it, but somebody put together like a 50, it's literally called the 50 year swell event. And they've been waiting, I think, five years to run it because they hadn't gotten the swell. And it's an invite only. And they ran the event two days ago and it looked insane. Rad. Was was Morris in it? I don't know. So, I mean, you and I could come up with 10 shapers that are really good surfers right now. You know, like, um, I don't know if you'd have age divisions, but I mean, gosh, you just think of the Visla crew, right? You got Derek Disney, you got... Um, Tyler Warren, um, Birch, but those guys, I don't know if they're competitively savvy. Don't need to be in this format. Yeah, you don't. Right. It's and a video then, format. And then, I mean, when I, I think of my generation, there's guys like Xanadu, who's Michael Barron was a really great surfer. Probably still is. Um, Does Machado count? I mean, yeah, yeah, he does. Machado counts. I'll tell you why, because because the competition, you got to we could make it fun. We could do something like I mean, that's where you take an old 1960s longboard and you go, here's your blank. Now shape that and go surf it in the competition. You know, like you got to put a twist in it, something like that. You know, a chunk of foam challenge. Yep. Like the old kahunas, grab an old, you know, koa tree and craft something and go ride it. Yep. That would actually um, be cool too. What if we just said wood? You got to you, you got to make something out of wood. You can chamber it whatever the hell you want. It's got to be wooden. Danny or Hess wins. So I mean there's so many ways you could do it but you could do age divisions and there's just a fun and I'm sure stabs I know those guys are, are having edit meetings where they're just chewing on all these ideas and they and you're right they they're killing it. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, God, look at Stab. They're killing it. You know, we were, I was watching this thing, one of their video things. And the guy goes, yeah, but they have 7,800 premium subscribers. Surfline has 250,000 premium subscribers. And I went, yeah, but if Stab had cams and forecasts, they'd have that plus really good content. Yeah. And 
and not that Surfline doesn't have great content because I, I do business with Surfline. I wouldn't put my ad dollars anywhere but Surfline. Um, and I think that Surfline's starting to really ramp up what they're doing. Like that resin and soul thing that they did is really cool. Yeah. Um, I think Surfline's starting to invest in their editorial, which is, which is great because they have the eyeballs. Like they, totally. all they got to do is just turn it on, you know? And, and I'm pretty stoked to, well, uh, not only, not only do they have, not only do they have the eyeballs, I actually talked to that CEO, the newer CEO, Kevin Laughlin about this. Yeah a while back, um, not only do they have the eyeballs, but they have the data, you know, it's like, they know what, uh, not only where the swells are going to be at any given time, but they have Kelly Slater, Nathan Florence, all those guys reaching out to them with private access, direct access. So they know where Kelly's going to be. So in order for them to just put cameras on Kelly, once he gets to where they know he's already going is simple. Like yeah. they've got all the data and the intel. They just need to actually get the cameras there and they could provide that for you and I as premium subscribers uh, as a viewing experience. There doesn't even need to be a lot of post-production, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, There's a lot of business there for them. Um, one other edit that I think is worth watching, it just dropped yesterday. It's from John John Florence's Insta or uh, YouTube account. It's called The Process where he is does like a 30 minute, it's almost like a podcast. It's a 30 minute conversation between him and Jordy Smith discussing the process of competition and vying for world titles. It's all the questions I would have asked. You know, it's like, if I got a chance to chat with either of those guys, a bunch of things that I want to know are what they're discussing. And so for our listeners who are fans of podcast, I think that um, watch that. It's a, pod, a visual podcast. I think one of the most fascinating questions for Jordy. And I actually asked Jordy's father this, if you listen to my, the podcast I did with Graham Smith. And you and I've had this discussion numerous times. So I guess I'm asking you, did John John ask this question, which is, do you think not staying with one shaper through the course of your career has hindered your ability to get to the, to that, you know, ultimate spot, the world title? Great question. They, John John did not ask that. And what did Graham say? What was Graham's answer? Graham said, absolutely. Graham's go, yeah, I think it did hinder him. I think it would, I, and, and all you gotta do is look at the data. Now Kelly skews the data a little bit, but Kelly's with Merrick for whatever, 15, 20 years, whatever it was. Um, uh, John's the other, Isel. Lisa Anderson uh, was with Steph, Steph forever. With, Steph with DH. Carissa with Matt Biolas. Like all of the ones, if you just look Gabe at the, with Gabe with Kabianka, Gabe Idlo with Timmy, yeah, he's been with Timmy for probably four years. I mean, point is, is that this relationship gets built, and it's important, and um, be even beyond the the boards. So, yeah, what you're saying actually does translate to a lot of their conversation. Actually, in that indecision is Jordy's biggest. Uh, you know, crux. And so when they talk about their successes that they've had, it's when they have all this confidence and certainty and comfort. And then every, every whenever they've had bad performances or bad seasons or bad years, it's all to do with 
something wasn't right in their life, you know? And so they had uncertainty and a insecurity and lack of confidence. And so that's exactly, yeah. If you have a shaper and that, that box is checked and you can trust and rely on that, then it's confidence, translates to confidence. And, and even when you look at um, mentors on tour, like when you look at Kelly, he, when he went to Europe, he always had belly right there. And in fact, he had belly lots of places. Like he had this guy. You know, and he had Al in the shape, like he had a couple of guys and, and they were constants, you know, like yep. I think that's the thing. Yep. Switching it up is no good. Um, all right, Scott. Well, my Duke, oh, so my must see moment, um, I was going to say is that the process with John, John and Jordy. Um, and so I'll give my Duke, my Duke kind of doubles as a must see moment, but it's Cowley Voss wave at Chopu from Friday that where he eats it at the very kind of last section. Um, I don't know how he survived that thing. If you haven't seen that clip, you have to find it or I'll post it, but yeah. it's just, he eats crap coming out of the barrel into the lip and he completely disappears in the moment that he kind of comes off of his board, but he had to be in the lip getting pile drived into the reef. There's no other, no other way for him to go. Yeah, I man, the wipeout there. I've thank God I've never experienced it, but that moment when you're going over the falls, holy mackerel, you must just get your limbs torn from your body. It must be incredible. We so remember Nathan Florence's wipeout in the barrel. He actually got wave of the year at the XXL Awards, even though he didn't make it. Um, <laughs> he said like, that with a bit of scorn. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> stupid, but um, he ate it in the barrel, and it's kind of like sometimes that's the safest place to be. Often that's the safest place to be. Yeah, yeah. And so, but the way that Cowley eats it on this wave, it's like he comes out of the barrel and he's too high. His line is too high. And he just, he eats it in the worst place possible. And that lip was just 15 feet thick. It was just so gnarly. And he's young. I think he's like 18 or something. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Go ahead and put, we'll post that up. Um, yeah. My, my Duke is, so let me give you some context. We're doing a dinner with Pat Rawson at the boardroom show. It's an intimate, exclusive dinner. It's a five course meal, beer and wine, live acoustic music. It's, it's just Pat Rawson and seven individuals. And you sit at a table together and you, you get to have a wonderful meal and get to know Pat Rawson and be regaled by his stories. And um, my Duke is actually the first guy to buy a ticket for that. And do you have any idea who it is? Did I tell you? Randy Rarick. Oh, I did. Okay. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> it's Randy Rarick. Did, it I already awesome. did I already tell the story? You probably did. You didn't go deep. You just, I think you just casually referenced it or mentioned Well, it. what's cool about it is that if you buy a ticket now, by the way, you get a surfboard, you get one of the shaped blanks from the Icons of Foam shaping competition. So if you buy a ticket now, you get to have dinner with not just Pat Rawson, who's an amazing guy who's going to fill your ear with so much great story, you're not going to know what to do with it all. And you get Randy Rarick. So you're getting two for the price of one because Randy Rarick is just a, a plethora of history and legacy and information about surfing and surfboards and surf history and professional surfing history and all of it. So you're going to get Pat and 
Randy Rarick. So um, there's only a few of these tickets left and I would urge you to go on to boardroomshow.com if that something like this interests you uh, and, and get, get one of the tickets that's remaining. It'll be a great evening, one you'll never forget. You're doing great work, Scott. It's a rarity that in any sport you would have listeners or uh, fans would have access to this sort of a thing. Thank you, bud. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, give the people the dates, boardroomshow.com. Boardroomshow, September 25th and 26th, boardroomshow.com for tickets and information about the sure show. It's going to be a great one. We're, we are, uh, we're selling tickets fast and furious. By the way, breaking news. Did you know they moved the U.S. Open? No. The U.S. Open is now September 25th and 26th, the weekend of the boardroom show. Huh. U.S. Open. I prefer to spend my time at the boardroom. Well, yeah, I mean, um, if you're in Huntington Beach, now's the time to beeline it the hell out of there. Come exactly. down to the boardroom show for the weekend. Uh, and uh, we're going to have a merch booth. And the, the T-shirt that Scott is wearing right now will be available in the merch booth. Adios and aloha. Adios and aloha. Now might be the time because I have a hard out here. Me too. Okay. Until next time, David. Adios and aloha. Oh, uh-huh.